You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's Web Radio.com. Dodging a bit of lightning on the way in today. It's raining cats, dogs, and Rosie O'Donnell's, as they say here in the South, whenever one of them uh, long thunderstorms is going on. Luckily, it's hopefully it'll be one of those uh, short ones. At any rate, we're coming at you. And. Uh, Got a couple of events coming up. Got uh, Donald Trump will be in town tomorrow, David. I uh, I don't know. Did you buy tickets for the breakfast? They started at twenty seven hundred dollars a pop, ten thousand dollars to take a photo with uh, Mr. Trump, and prices went up from there. It looks like they are actively fundraising now that they're the presumptive nominee. From what I've been hearing, they're trying to raise funds for his candidacy and some down ballot races. Um, I will not be able to scrape up the $2,700 for breakfast, though. Oh, I bought you a ticket. Uh, you you didn't bought get me it? a ticket? No, yeah. I didn't. You didn't get it? I did not. Did you send it to my proper email address, thegreg at americaswebradio.com? If not, then I didn't get it. What do you think they're serving at a $2,700 breakfast? <laughs> I, I, I can't really say on the air. <laughs> I know what I'd want for 2700 well, yeah, I think I would want a little bit more. I um, I was thinking about, uh, actually, I am going to go to the event tomorrow at the Fox. They have one uh, for free, which is in more of my price range at noon. And it's a strange time. No, normally, it's the Democrats that have rallies during the middle of a, nor- a working day because most of their people maybe aren't working. <laughs> yeah, I said it. But uh, tomorrow, uh, for the masses, at the Fox Theater, Donald Trump will be uh, holding a rally. I uh, applied for the tickets last night and uh, got approved. Now, you can't bring in a lot of stuff. You can't bring in banners. You can't bring in signs. No tripods. A bunch of rules. That no you, carry. No. That, oh, I'm sure there, this is a certainly a no carry zone. I mean, uh, I guess the Fox has metal detectors, right? I mean, there's going to be a lot of security at this thing. Donald Trump rallies have a have, have developed a habit of really pissing off the left-wing rent-a-mob people. Um, this thing was kind of put together on short notice. I think it possibly could be in response to uh, the... Uh, uh, the jihadi shooting over the weekend in uh, in Orlando, which I got to say, congratulations, social media and everybody else for not politicizing this event at all. The uh, the horrible uh, jihadi shooting of more than 100 people Saturday night at a club called Pulse in Orlando. I mean, from the top down, David, no, everybody in this country should be applauded, you know, from the White House on down to everybody in social media for not politicizing this event whatsoever. Every, I mean, really, it starts at the top, doesn't it? And you've just got to thank your President Obama for never trying to push an agenda anytime a tragedy ma- manifests. I mean, I'm so proud to have this, uh, this cadre, of this cabal of power in the White House that leads us by such a, a great example of taking time to mourn victims instead of politicizing things. I, I was not privy to the uh, the speech he gave uh, earlier today, but apparently he um, was mad that people want him to use the term radical Islam or radical jihadist, and he's 
uh, a little bit resilient to that, saying, what what difference does it make if I use that term or not? Will it bring back people? Will it change the uh, fact that they are trying to kill innocent Americans? And a very, um, a very petulant speech by him. I've seen some outrage on social media. I had to kind of turn social media off for 48 hours once the uh, uh, events started to unroll because the problem... When you start elocuting your opinions on social media, you do it before all the facts are out. And people jump to conclusions. And they get either preachy or whiny or they turn into a-holes. You don't believe me? Go to Twitter. Twitter is where mean people live, David. I know you probably don't tweet as much as uh, as I do. And I, I stayed off Twitter as well because there was all sorts of <sighs> negativity, I guess is the best word, to describe it. Obviously, the left wants gun control anytime something like this happens. The right wants Muslim control anytime something like this happens. Neither of them or neither one of those ideas is necessarily going to stop future events like this. Did you did you read anything about the uh, the shooter in this thing? He apparently is a licensed security guard in Florida, and uh, now some stuff is coming out. His wife is saying that he was homo- a homosexual and that he had been a uh, frequenter of this club called Pulse uh, many times, and just sat in the corner and got wasted and belligerent. Uh, so there's all sorts of things going on here. The FBI had him on a watch list for three or four years. So there's a lot of things that are coming out about this story that I think maybe will change people's perception of it in the next few weeks. So is, isn't it okay to sometimes wait to, for the details to come out, David? What's ever happened to the shooter in Amarillo today? I, I, didn't, I didn't even see that. There's a shooter in Amarillo today? Yeah. Uh, uh, hostages in a Walmart, supposedly. Uh, you, know, that, um, you know, what do I think of this? How many, how many uh, blacks died in Chicago this weekend? Probably dozens. I mean, it's a summer in Chicago. You know, I'm I'm not going. I wouldn't belittle the thing in Orlando, but quite frankly, um, I'm getting sort of tired of listening to it all. And uh, you know, it was not good. They, uh, but I hate to tell folks, you're going to have this in your neighborhood stores pretty soon. You're going to have until we put an end, and I don't mean sort of put an end. I mean, we've got to find a backbone and stand up, whether it's civilian or military or police. Somebody's got to start stepping up and putting an end to these folks. Um, I was, I did hear that there were, what, three Muslims uh, shot to death in, uh, was it Utah or, uh, may not have been Utah, but uh, a western state. Um you know, they haven't exactly found the killers of them yet. Three Let's Muslims killed. Three kill. Muslims, latest uh, Mexico's president. Uh, Did you find yeah. the thing on Amarillo? Uh, no, not yet. Um, <laughs> seems like all these other shootings and uh, presidential uh, speeches are drowning out. Are you out getting some tired of, of it? News. Well, I mean, I am getting tired of this this overexposure. Uh, and this this constant onslaught of the left trying to blame guns and and uh, I wonder I wonder how much in reality are are on the other side you know the, the uh, okay yeah in, I just I did in, find this three in, Muslims uh, shot to death in uh, Chapel Hill is that right was it cha- I, I didn't think North this Carolina this was, was from February 2015 no this though, was so. this was in, within the last couple of days okay yeah I, uh, I haven't seen that you know Israel the next day 
their plaza was open, the restaurants were open, and people were doing business. You know, I'm not saying this should not have made the news, but how, you know, this has been 24 hours of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's been more than that, and that's why I had to kind of turn off social media because it was inundating so much, and so much misinformation was coming out. That's uh, one of the topics that we'll be covering with our uh, our guest, uh, Rachel Dodsworth, is, you know, how has social media changed our reactions to this? It's almost like whenever something traumatic happens, both sides try to get out their narrative as quickly as possible. Uh, we saw with the Charleston shooting of several months ago, that turned into an all-out war on the Confederate flag, yeah. and and that battle is still going on. They're trying to remove the uh, Confederate flag from the nas- National Cathedral. Uh, they have um, a monuments of Robert E. Lee and uh, a couple other, I guess, uh, of the Southern generals, and they want to remove the Confederate flag from the stained glass window there. So that battle is still ongoing. And, you know, now we've got this, we've got a, a strange alliance of um, the, the LGBT community and the Second Amendment folks uh, in reaction to this, um, this attack down in Orlando. So it is, uh, it's quite strange. It's going to, uh, again, I, I think people need to sit back, pause a little bit. If the president wants to politicize stuff, let him do it. He's, he's got a few more months in office. Then he'll be gone. We'll have a new president. Um, hopefully, Can, uh, be, can you guarantee that? Hopefully it won't be a President Clinton. I mean, as far as, yeah, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist that says Obama's going to try to uh, implement martial law and have his third term uh, in, in office. So I uh, I think everybody has suffered enough of Obama well, wouldn't, fatigue. Uh, wouldn't Clinton be a third term? Well, of course. Wouldn't and that's, Biden that's, be a that's, third that's, term? That's the problem, is having a, a, you know Clinton win this thing because uh, the Republicans weren't able to get their act together and our nominee... Actually, some of this narrative plays into his hands a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, he got lambasted for a tweet saying, yes, I, I appreciate the congratulations for being right about uh, Islamist terrorists. And, of course, everybody said, look at Donald Trump trying to take advantage of a situation and, and leverage a tragedy, which isn't that what Obama has done at every instance, every time we have a tragedy he has tried to, to drive a wedge between factions of the American people and use his uh, political or public relations, his spin team, to spin it in a manner that will divide the most people and cause the most harm as far as our rights go. What, what the, the thing that really worries me, David, is that whenever events like this uh, happen, there's always this rush to try to stop them in, in the future. And so the left would be quite happy if they were able to, to apply some limits to the Second Amendment. And our friends on the right would love enhancing security and enhancing the police state. So both ways, we'll lose individual liberties. We'll lose the Second Amendment, and we'll also lose a little bit of liberty uh, as far as the, uh, the, the civil liberties go, because we'll be watched and scrutinized even more. The Patriot Act will be able to get passed with even a higher level of uh, scrutiny, and they'll be able to monitor more of our calls and more of our email transmissions and, and more of our day-to-day lives. And, and I think that this idea that the high, no matter how much government security you have, here's the idea. It, it, it's irrelevant how much government security there is. There will never be a 100% guarantee that there won't be a, an attack. 
You're not going to lose the Second Amendment, though. At that point, we have a civil war. Uh, 80 million gun holders in the United States. Well, and the the famous the, the left's famous um, assault rifle, the AR-15. Um, I was I've got some friends over at Adventure Outdoors, and naturally, guess what kinds of gun sales soared after Obama tries to politicize it. Boom! The AR-15. Ding, 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 ding. So here's the problem, folks. There's so many guns out there. Do you think that if we had a voluntary gun turn-in? That the criminals would say, you know what? Let's let's turn in our guns too. Yeah, you th- you think that's going to happen? And there I ain't going to be any volunteer. You know, uh, I mean, I will say that this is just leading to a powder keg uh, coming up for the Republican convention, which is from the 18th to the 21st in July uh, in Cleveland. Um, it almost makes me a bigger Cleveland Cavalier fan. So we can kind of, if the Cleveland Cavs can win the NBA Finals, then perhaps that'll placate the city a little bit. But uh, you know that the left is going to be bussing in their mobs and their protesters to try to protest this Trump rally. And I am still seeing rumors that there is a uh, kind of an underground machine working to stymie Trump from the nominee. From the nomination, so we'll we'll have to see what happens. Uh, I think that this week has been very important to Trump's campaign. In fact, that's been a better week, I think, as far as optics go than last week. And with events like this, these tragedies that the left tries to leverage for their own benefit, of course, Trump and the right are going to try to respond as well. So we're going to go ahead and take our first break here. We'll be back with uh, Rachel Dodsworth talking about the Republican convention, the um, the rise of social media and kind of these uh, instant response teams, these rapid response teams that go on anytime some kind of massive event happens. We'll look forward to uh, being back with you in a couple minutes. You're listening to Greg's List. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 
and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's is Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's web, but radio.com. Uh, joining us now, our friend Rachel Dodsworth, Adsworth Media, and a uh, Politico superstar, uh, 40 under 40. I can't remember what that moniker is for, but it's one of the top political consultant uh, uh, categories here in the country. Rachel, welcome back to Greg's List. How are you? Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah. Hey, can you make sure you correct me on the uh, right descriptor for your 40 under 40 title? I don't want to mess that one up. Uh, I was nominated to be one of the top 40 under 40 political political consultants in America. Ah, okay. Now, did, <laughs> yeah. when do you find out if when, when you win? Unfortunately, I did not oh. win. Oh, that sounds like I There's need to only get a- 10 Republicans, so oh. next year, next year. You know what? It sounds like it was uh, rigged a little bit. I think we should ask for a recount on that. But, uh, <laughs> we should, we should. Yeah. The next year we'll have to... Plan yeah. ahead of time. Well, anyway, I appreciate you calling in. We chatted uh, last week about uh, some of the events coming up. Obviously, we had no idea that uh, this uh, uh, horrific event would happen in Orlando on Saturday night. So we'll get to that in a little while because that was kind of something that we added on to the show. That's one of the things that I like about being able to be flexible on this is I can mm-hmm. kind of drop topics if I need to and, and switch gears. But uh, the main topic we wanted to talk about a little bit was uh, – Helping people understand uh, what goes on at these political party conventions, specifically the Republican Party. I know you'll be uh, attending next month, uh, as as will I, in Cleveland. And we want to give the listeners a little idea of kind of what goes on, what the machinations of it are, and what people can expect uh, for this uh, four-day uh, week, almost a week-long event. Okay, yeah. Um, so excited to go, and congratulations to you, Greg, for being uh, nominated as a delegate for I the state of Georgia. Thank you. That's a big deal. Um, but what people can expect, essentially, the rules committee, uh, you know, they established the rules right before the convention in June. And the rules committee is kind of how we dictate um, the, who can become president. So Trump officially has enough delegates to be president under the current rules, but those technically could change um, the way delegates are. So you could see someone nominated from the floor, potentially, and um, if you get past the first ballot, the first ballot in the process is when, you know, delegates have to vote for whatever their state, you know, won. So if Trump won North Carolina, your delegates have to vote for Trump. But some states don't force you to pledge their delegates. And most states don't have any rules in the second round of voting. So that's where you can see real issues. If Trump doesn't win on the first, 
round of voting. Right. Well, basically, it's 1237 to win, and supposedly mm-hmm. has more than 1,500 bound delegates. So it seems to me that it's a, a foregone conclusion, but you're saying that not all of them are bound, and it's possible there could be a rules change at the convention that would change this up? Yes, there can be the rules committee, even though the RNC said they're not going to change the rules, but they do meet before June, or they do meet in June. So, you know, if Trump does a lot of things that they don't like, they could change the rules. Um, but what also could happen is there are all these other delegates from Rubio, Cruz, Kasich, they can kind of get together and kind of make some side deals. So, you know, it can go easy or it can go hard. And right now, I don't think people want to play by the rules of Trump. <laughs> so, I, you know, it would probably go the hard way. Yeah, I was about to say, there is, I mean, there is some consternation with Trump as the nominee, especially since he has been so, uh, I guess, um, aggressive would be the, <laughs> the politically correct word to describe it. And as people know, I'm not politically correct. I am correct politically. Uh, but from a PR perspective, I don't want to denigrate uh, the nominee. Uh, but there is a frustration in his um, his rhetoric, I guess, and his exactly. people were hoping that he would become more presidential in his talk, but he has become more combative and some would say petulant, I guess, uh, chasing down this uh, Mexican judge who was born in Indiana <laughs> and some of these other comments that have come out the past couple weeks. So, what from a PR pers- from a PR perspective, Rachel, how damaging is that to him and his prospects in Cleveland? Well, so that's the key: is it's the Republicans are in a tight spot either way for PR. Because the key thing is people need to remember is this is uh, to select the Republican Party to select who will be the best nominee for the party. And same with the Democrats, you know, they, they choose the best nominee. And that's why it's kind of put in place. And, um, you know, these rules have been going on. So the PR with him, if Trump's the candidate, you know, your job is to work with the RNC, so it'll make it very difficult for the RNC to fundraise or, you know, work with Trump if he says he doesn't want to work with them, and that's not the best for the party, which is, you know, what you get elected for in a primary. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly been an adversarial relationship this whole primary process because Donald Trump felt the RNC was actively working against him. They've had some mm-hmm. meetings where they've tried to bury the hatchet, so to speak, and uh, from what I've seen now, the RNC is putting a lot of pressure on him to fundraise because they, they, they've exactly. told him he's so far behind, yet that's a little counterintuitive because Trump has said he would self-fund this whole time. So mm-hmm. I, I think we've got some problems. Problems. What's your uh, thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's for Trump has to, I mean, if you're going to be the, the standard bearer of your party, the Republican Party, you know, you help them raise funds. You have to do that. That's kind of why they give you the right or they give you the honor to be the Republican nominee. Um, so, you know, there's job duties that come with that. I know people elect you, but you're representing the Republican Party, so you're expected to fundraise. You're expected to follow, you know, um, you were at the Georgia Convention, right? kind of the, the uh, platform that the Republican Party pushes. You know, that's chosen as a party. <laughs> so just one person doing what they want 
kind of defeats the purpose of having a political party. Right. Well, and that's one of the things that the uh, delegates will also be choosing is the Republican Party platform uh, in mm-hmm. July. And I'm, I'm sure uh, the delegates will start getting emailed um, items of, of interest. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, they they insist on trying to make traditional marriage a uh, continued part of the platform in lieu of the Supreme Court decision and a a, a pretty uh, large majority of people under 40 that have said that uh, the gay marriage issue is no longer something that uh, really uh, encourages them or discourages them from voting for a political party. And it'll be key to see if Trump agrees with the platform that you, you as delegates vote on. Well, I mean, what would are you saying that he would dis, he would come out in one of his speeches and say, you know what, I like eight eight out of ten planks of the platform, but two of them I don't. Mm-hmm. Or exactly, is, okay. So, so what would he? What would be the issues uh, that he could raise on some of the uh, the party platform planks? Well, you know, I don't know every single issue with the party platform, but. I can guarantee you Trump's not going to agree with them all. And I can guarantee you he's going to say, why are you telling me what to do? So getting that fine line and kind of understanding the political process, you know, it's kind of been one of his weak points. Um, yeah. Cause well, couldn't you see that? Yeah, because what, what I'm looking at right now is the Republican Party platform from 2012. And... Mm-hmm. This one, a lot of it's pretty general, but one of them does say institution of traditional marriage is the foundation of society. So this was one mm-hmm. of the planks in 2012. It will be interesting to see if that is one in 2016. It just because of the um, the Supreme Court decision where it has basically legalized a gay marriage. And if Republicans want to continue trying to fight that battle, when a lot of folks have said, okay, that that ship has sailed somewhat. We need to concentrate on the issues that we can actually fix. Exactly. Right? And it'll force Trump to take a side. Because <clears throat> you've noticed so far, he always backsteps. Um, and so this will kind of be definitive. And we can see if he wants to play by the rules, you know, and be a team player. I think it's a convention. It'll be a little bit of a, a of a canary in the coal mine, so to speak, where we could give Trump a list of the platforms. And I, I mean, I do think that he certainly needs to brush up on the uh, party platform so he can at least talk about them at, at some length, especially once we start getting into the debate season, because, you know, oh, it's yeah. it. Unfortunately, his his strength is uh, creating jobs and in, 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 in the business sector. But as we all know, the political debates like to focus on many other issues, including national security and the welfare programs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think the other thing you'll see is the VP pick will definitely need to be someone that's very experienced in you know, the world of politics, because Trump's had a hard time understanding you know, the delegate process. So he's going to need to pick someone you know, that knows everyone, knows how to get a bill passed, you know, that can really catch up for his weaknesses and 
really understand the inner workings of DC. Well, let's so talk. It'll be let's, interesting let's, to see who let's take. Let's take a break here uh, and let's uh, pick back up on that because speculation on who his vice presidential pick has been rampant. Uh, several of the rising stars in the Republican Party, like Marco Rubio and Paul Ryan, have both said they're not interested in it. But uh, I mm-hmm. think Paul Ryan said he wasn't interested in being Speaker of the House, and look who's Speaker of the House, exactly. right? So sometimes if you're asked to step up to lead, you end up doing it, even if you're uh, reticent or reluctant to do so. So, uh, yeah, let's let's do some speculation on that on the other side of the break and also talk about the rise of social media in this instant reaction world that we now live in where everybody is uh, has an opinion that can easily go viral, which I think is just a fascinating dynamic and also a danger to uh, mm-hmm. candidates because they can say something that they maybe didn't think through and all of a sudden they've painted themselves into a corner. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Rachel Dodsworth, Adsworth Media. You're listening to Greg's List. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's WebRadio.com. Excited to uh, join you on this uh, this beautiful day. We're, we're in the uh, throes of early summer here, and uh, Rachel Dodsworth from Adsworth Media is on with us. We're prefacing the Republican National Convention coming up next month in Cleveland from July 18th through the 21st in uh, downtown Cleveland. There's going to be a lot of activity going on there, and who knows what can happen in the the weeks leading up to it. Uh, we just are coming off of a horrific uh, uh, sh- incident in Orlando where a uh, jihadist murdered more than 50 people and shot another 53. And from what I've been able to discern, 
Uh, they are um, getting a lot of the folks out of the hospital and treating them, so hopefully that death toll won't be rising any. Um, the the rush to judgment has been pretty shameful by almost everybody involved in the incident. But and we're going to talk touch base with Rachel on that. Rachel's a public relations guru and Politico star in the uh, consultant world. Um, but Rachel, we were talking a little bit about Donald Trump's vice president choice. And normally the vice president choice is secondary to the president, and people always say, well, I would never vote for a presidential ticket based on the VP. But have the rules changed a little bit in this case, where does Trump's VP choice either solidify him as a serious candidate or make him look even more of a caricature? Uh, how, How important is this VP selection for his candidacy? Well, the VP selection for him to be effective in D.C. is pretty important. To move the needle to voters, yes, the, you know, the VP pick doesn't really turn people off or on too much. But for him to succeed, he needs someone that can, you know, handle his weaknesses. And his weaknesses are, you know, the political process, working with Congress, and, and just following the procedures, essentially, that you're not used to in the business world. So for him, he'll need to find someone that understands D.C., in my opinion, and that shows that he means business of being a leader. You know, if he gets someone from outside the political arena, then that kind of shows he'll just kind of do what he wants. Yeah. (laughs) And... Yeah. One of the fears that people have is that he'll try to act as a dictator. I don't actually share that same fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think he will be living by executive edict uh, as, as our current uh, uh, occupant of the White House, President Obama has been. I do think he will try to work through Congress. And, and what I always tell people is if Donald Trump wins the presidency, then you can rest assured that that means Republicans will hold on to the House and likely the Senate. Uh, although we do have several Senate seats up for grabs in uh, very competitive states. Mark Kirk, for example, in Illinois has already unendorsed Trump because of some of the uh, uh, rhetoric that Trump said. Now, this may be a seat that we weren't going to hold on to anyway. So, you know, Mark Kirk cutting his losses somewhat uh, and trying to disavow himself from Donald Trump. I don't, I, I don't see that making too much of a difference in Illinois. Illinois is not exactly a bastion of conservative Well, I was lucky we won that. And the other thing with with uh, Trump is having a serious politician will help identify him as a serious politician. So it'll kind of help him with the political circles. You know, candidates that have been afraid mm-hmm. to endorse him, if they see, oh, wow, he's picked a pretty reasonable guy, I can, you know, get on stage with this reasonable VP pick. Right. So you feel think, comfortable. You, so you think he needs a policy walk. Do you think a – now, he's already alienated Governor Haley from South Carolina, but there's oh, yeah. a Susanna Martinez from New Mexico. Do you think <laughs> Do you think picking a female would soften him a little bit, and in a good way, not uh, soften him as far as being strong, as far as making America great again, but would that balance him? a little bit um you know it's i think whoever it could it would balance him but i'm pretty sure he already said he's not going to choose a woman just for a woman which makes sense okay yeah the only woman that i've kind of heard him mention is condoleezza rice um and other than that right now speculation is newt gingrich senator jeff sessions rick perry chris christie and john huntsman 
Huntsman. Um, but yeah. I mean, I think Huntsman's interesting. I think Rick Perry uh, is interesting. I think Newt is who, and Newt's obviously very popular here in Georgia. In fact, he won the uh, Georgia primary here uh, several years ago. But I, I think that that would be a horrible national ticket. Yeah. No, no offense, Newt, I, but I just, I don't, I don't <laughs> the unfavorables for both <laughs> Newt and Donald Trump are, uh, they're pretty. They're about as high as Hillary Clinton's, and to have both of them on the ticket, uh, yeah, I don't know if that would really help. Yeah. With the, and, or and and with and with the Republicans trying to broaden their appeal from the party of old white men. So exactly, is it? Is it is? Even if you pick a woman, we still have to remember that Hillary is the first woman to ever be the nominee of a major party. So that's still a big hurdle to you know to get over, um, and pretty monumental. Um, yeah, so we can't discount that. <laughs> well, and and of course, I mean, but I I think that whatever um, increase in votes Hillary will have, her her abject unpopularity will uh, mm-hmm. act as a counterbalance on that. I I mean, the de- Democrats are not happy at all. There's still, you know, we we talk about the um, you know the Republicans trying to maybe uh, substitute somebody for Trump. The Bernie Sanders is still running full steam ahead into the uh, the Democrat uh, convention, saying that he feels like he has a chance. The way the Democrats have theirs rigged with their super delegates, uh, Bernie, uh, yeah. Bernie Sanders was fairly close uh, as far as popular votes um, in 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 one in in a bunch of them. I mean, obviously, he didn't do very well in the South. The black vote went heavily for Hillary Clinton just based on their experience with um, you know her husband and Bernie is from a northeastern state and pretty much out of touch with, with the black community in my opinion but uh, I, I am fascinated by that ongoing dynamic because uh, yeah. his, his, it, his supporters are not system is if people you know the Republican system gets a lot of news coverage you know but the Democrat system is set up a lot differently where your vote kind of doesn't count because the superdelegates are party leaders so no matter what, they leave themselves that stopgap to choose the candidate, um, as you can see with Hillary. And so that's kind of why it's clear-cut. Bernie can keep going, but the way the Democrat process is set up, you know, the party leaders essentially choose no right. matter what. What do you think? What would you think if Republicans implemented something like that? Do you think they may? I think Trump would not be the nominee. <laughs> well, it's probably too late this time around, but yeah, too late this time. But I think if we implemented something like that, you know, you would probably see more, if you will, establishment uh, people nominate or win the nomination. Right. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you, 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 of course, I mean, you would have the uh, the power base. It, it almost makes this primary vote um, irrelevant, doesn't it? This, this whole kabuki theater that the de- Democrats went through, and it really it was a cabal of for the Democrats. Six- yeah, it kind of <laughs> kind of is honestly. <laughs> They're like, hey, you guys, you guys only think you get to vote for who you want. We're more like North Korea in real life, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I think Republicans are going to take a look at that, and that's why I, you know. When I was wanting to be delegate at first, I wanted. I thought that we might have a second or third ballot because it was still up in the air. We still had uh, Cruz and Rubio and Kasich and Trump and a couple other candidates that were still on the ballot, still fighting hard. And I was just enamored with the idea of 
that you know this could be a broker convention and, and a delegate oh, is going to yeah. have a chance to choose. And uh, but once that was um, Trump became the presumptive nominee, I I didn't lose interest, uh, but I certainly wasn't going to wait uh, spend a lot of money trying to push myself as being a delegate. So I am certainly happy that uh, I have the honor to to be part of it. And if we're able to make some permanent rule changes going forward, then that certainly is something that uh, you need to have people that, that know a little mm-hmm. bit about what's going on and are going to take their votes very seriously because this could have ongoing ramifications for the Republican Party, not in the, just in this election, but for you know the next 10 to 15 years. Right? Exactly. It's a great honor for you um, to help shape the party. So congratulations on getting that the delegate spot because they're very hard to get, but they are very important. Yeah, well, let's establishing the platform, the rules, and everything in addition yeah, to the president. Yeah, it's a very, uh, very um, important responsibility. Let's finish up here our little segment. Uh, What's well, not been that little? It's almost been thirty minutes. But uh, let's talk about this this rapid response team on social media that a lot of the candidates have started to employ. But we've also seen kind of manifest. Uh, organically, where people just rush to judgment anytime a, a horrible event happens, or they change their profile pic or start a new hashtag. Um, talk, talk about the dynamic in this. I know you're a big social media um, uh, person and um, kind of an expert in the field. Talk about uh, the PR aspect of it and what uh, what people are doing wrong and right. Okay, yeah, um, I've been following this for a long time and. First of all, I just want to pray for the victims and those injured um, event and kind of applaud the Orlando police for just their response. But I think the problem here is kind of twofold. It's one, it's how we as society are taught to communicate, um, you know, when crimes are happening. And, you know, number, and number two is like how law enforcement can share that information once they know. Because um, essentially, what's happening is people aren't calling nine one one. Right. You know, they're posting to Facebook or they're um, you know tweeting or text messaging uh-huh. people. And how can we solve that? Because we all need to remember the only way people, the cops know something's happening is if you call nine one one. And you know, the shooter himself is the one that called nine one one. So we need to kind of be aware of that and figure out if there's a new way, you know, we can get law enforcement included or just keep retraining people. You needed to call them 911 because mm-hmm. that's how a lot of misinformation gets spread. Because if you text your mom or text Facebook, you know, the law enforcement aren't there to check all that. Yeah, you have like this huge uh, rumor mill going on right now. Um, I did one of the things I did think was interesting um, Saturday night. The nightclub Pulse posted on their Facebook, "Everybody run from everybody, get out of the nightclub as quick as you can." So they were, I guess, thinking that people were in line in the bathroom or do or whatever and mm-hmm. checking the uh, the Facebook. So yeah, the timeline is pretty interesting. You know. Um, they did the Facebook post. People got out. The next thing was the shooter called 911. Yep. And then through text messaging is hostage. That's how law enforcement figured yep. out people well, were And they in said there. that some of the police on online called for backup as well. Some of the on-site uh, police called for backup because they, they didn't know 100% what was going on. So Exactly. And so what I always recommend is look at official Twitter accounts or Facebook. So. Uh-huh. The police accounts themselves. Right. 
um, that's the best bet for the new to get the correct information. Otherwise, if it's not from the Orlando police or a real statement, you know the details get a little sketchy, and it's a little too early to, you know, call something something a terrorist or a hate crime or you know just a dispute, you know, that quickly in the morning in less than an eight-hour window. So yes, you're right. People are kind of jumping to judgment before information is even being gathered. Um, and so yeah, it's something that kind of we got to figure out how to filter out as a society. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't become the boy who, who cries wolf. Right. You know, and the, and I, I am reading here that an off-duty officer was one of the uh, people that spotted the gunman as well and called in some backup. This is from uh, the Los Angeles Times and the Daily Mail. So, you know, again, it's this whole rush to judgment thing, this whole rush mm-hmm. to get out your, your opinion. And if you're wrong, the Internet, my friend is forever. Rachel Dodsworth, appreciate you calling in today. Look forward to seeing you uh, soon, and uh, you're listening to Gregsus. We'll see you in a couple minutes. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Craigslist Live, your home for serious journalism, only on America's AmericasWebRadio.com. Wrapped up a segment there. I uh, One of the things that um, I, I, me and David were talking about off air and uh, that I've been kind of texting people about is uh, all of a sudden everybody's a gun expert. Everybody's a, a weapons expert whenever things uh, like the Orlando shooting happen. And the vilified AR-15 is always the... Uh, the uh, the fall weapon um, 
and always the blameworthy weapon and always the first one that the liberals want to ban. Um, I I don't profess to be an expert on guns, um, but uh, I certainly have had people on the show that can talk uh, expertly about them. And this, uh, you know, there's so much confusion. AR-15 does not mean automatic rifle. It means armor right, which is the manufacturer. Uh, David, you can talk to a little bit about the uh, the difference between an automatic and a semi-automatic. And maybe that will help some of the listeners understand what we're talking about. But uh, we do have another guest that is calling in today, Michael Williams, the state senator from uh, Hall County area, Gainesville and and Forsyth, and uh, one of the first uh, folks to actually uh, endorse Donald Trump is going to be joining us here. I was able to secure him at the last uh, moment to talk about the events tomorrow. So wanted to bring him onto the show right now. Michael Williams, you're on Greg's List. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Greg. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I know it was a little bit of short notice, but that's uh, kind of how we fly by the seat of our pants here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, Michael, you're the state senator representing Forsyth, a little bit of Hall County in Georgia. Is that right? Or uh, it's, it's, uh, it's strictly Forsyth okay. County. I, it's, it's District 27 and represents about 90% of Forsyth County. Gotcha. Okay, so basically you're uh, the state senator for uh, coming and uh, that, that part of uh, Atlanta, very grow, one of the fastest growing counties. And uh, you were one of the first um, uh, public officials to come out and endorse Donald Trump many, many months ago. So uh, yeah. I know you were under some uh, scrutiny for that, but you uh, came out smelling like a rose, huh? Exactly, exactly. I was actually the first uh, elected official in the state of Georgia to come out for him back in September of last year. And, uh, you know, I got a little ribbing and, and teasing, but uh, it's all it's all sweet uh, victory right now. Yeah, I was about to say, a lot of people, including yours truly, didn't think that uh, the, the Trump phenomenon would last, and it has now. And uh, me and you will both be going to Cleveland, and unless something just crazy happens, we'll be uh, voting for Trump as our, our nominee. So tell me wh- about what, uh, it, obviously, a lot of folks always want to say, listen, are you responsible for everything a candidate says or does? And I think, <laughs> I think that's absolutely untrue. But what about Donald Trump initially attracted you to his uh, candidacy? Well, I did a, uh, a lot of campaigning two years ago. Um, I'd never been in politics before. I was a business guy, a CPA by trade. And part of our campaign, we went out, we knocked on probably 20,000 doors. We were out in the public like crazy. We just wanted to be seen and talk to people. And what we heard over and over again was how tired they were of your, your typical everyday politician uh, being tired of, of the political correctness, and they wanted something different. They wanted to change. And when Donald Trump first announced, i, I got to be honest with you, I thought it might have been a, a, a political, or not a, a publicity stunt for, for his next reality show or something. But the more I listened to him and the more I kind of figured this guy's for real, I knew I had to, had to jump on board because he's exactly what uh, so many of the of our Republican base are looking for right now. Yeah, and obviously here uh, the outsider approach worked for you. It worked for Senator David Perdue, and yeah. uh, it seems to have worked for uh, for Donald Trump as well because he's ran an a- apolitical campaign and kind of eschewed uh, the normal rules. Um, I had my previous guest on Rachel, and we were speculating about the uh, vice presidential pick for Trump, and uh, I don't know if you have any insider intel on that, but how important do you think his vice presidential pick is uh, for his candidacy? Uh, that, that's, that's kind of a difficult question for an answer. Mm-hmm. One, I, I know a lot of people approach me and say, you know, what about Rubio to win Florida or Kasich to win Ohio? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, 
I think that's the old school way of thinking about how to pick a, a vice presidential candidate. I don't think Donald Trump is going to need a, a, a VP that can win a certain state. He can do that on his own. Right. My thought, and again, this is just this Michael Williams talking, but he needs somebody that is experienced in the legislative process, that knows the system down there, and can kind of balance them out. He's he's way out there. He's he's uh, you know speaking the, the the truth, and he's talking about the things that the, the Americans want to hear about. But he's extremely novice in how it works there in D.C. So I would like to see somebody that knows how that works and can be effective in helping him to get some of his legislation ideas through the system that, uh, as, as we've seen over the years, can just bog things down. Yeah, because, I mean, technically the uh, vice president is head of the Senate, uh, right? Exactly. So they would be breaking a tie if one uh, manifested. Um, and I do think that Republicans need to not worry so much about a Trump presidency being this dictatorship. Um, I, I, no. do, I absolutely do not share that same fear. Uh, and one of the other things that I that I look at is, does Donald Trump, does, has he been successful? Does he have a good life? So, he, of course he does. So he's not going to be this warmonger that uh, we see some of these hashtag never Trump people uh, try to uh, assume, you know? No, exactly. I saw a, a, a press article just, just this morning talking about, you know, why we don't want Donald Trump's finger on, on the button, on the nuclear button. Mm-hmm. I just think that's, that's just, just, just false. I mean, Donald Trump, one of the things I really like about him that some people are struggling with is his ego. I love his ego, and he wants to go down in history as one of the best presidents this country's ever seen. And you're not going to do that if you blow up the world. Yeah, and again, his uh, the idea that he has kind of, I guess, had some um, the petulant behavior against some of these. He's kind of taken some of these attacks personal. One thing that I, I will say that I'm not a huge fan of, and I I just read this headline that he is not going to let people from the Washington Post come to his uh, events. I do have a little problem with that. He does need to realize that a free and balanced press is the cornerstone of our democratic republic here. <laughs> no, I I, I agree. And what I see kind of playing out is while he made that statement, and that's just kind of his initial reaction is, you know, <laughs> you come at me, I'm going to come back at you. Uh, but I, I strongly believe that he'll he'll let the Washington Post and then all the other press outlets that that, that meet the criteria of. Uh, meeting all that to, to come to, to his events. Yeah, it's kind of like a negotiation, right? You never start. Exactly. You never exactly. start where your final price is going to be. You always start yep. high, or you start really low, right? Exactly. <laughs> and his, his his initial position is you're not coming, and yeah. then they'll negotiate, and they'll eventually come in and and, and go from there. Yep, I know uh, we've got a couple events tomorrow. I've already reserved my two tickets for the Fox event. The breakfast, a little bit out of my price range. I do understand <laughs> that he is uh, – and it's a little bit of a question whether he said he's been able to self-finance, and for the most part that's true. But as the top of the ticket, you are responsible for fundraising for down-ballot races. And is that – do you think the criticism of him backtracking on this self-funding is fair, or can we point to the fact that he needs to be raising money for, for – the RNC and other races. No, exactly. I don't think it's fair whatsoever. You know, one of his main main roles is to go out there and to fundraise, like you mentioned. Um, as the money that is being donated, a very, very, very small portion of this is actually going to the Donald Trump campaign. The vast majority of it's going to the RNC and then individual states that have contracts with the RNC. So, uh, while it is a fundraiser that Donald Trump's going to attend and, and be at, and is obviously the, the headliner. Uh, he gets an extremely small portion of what's going to be raised. Yeah, and uh, we do have a lot of Senate seats up for grabs. And what I've told people 
is if Donald Trump wins the presidency, or when he wins, that means Republicans will absolutely keep control of the House, and likely the Senate. I need to look at the uh, Senate battleground states a little bit more. There are some that we're going to lose. Uh, Illinois, I don't think Mark Kirk has much of a chance to, to hold on to that seat, even if we dumped you know billions of dollars into that race. So part of the RNC's job is to look and see where we can win and where to best allocate the resources. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Michael Williams, state senator. Is it Senate District 27? Is that right? You got it. Senate District awesome. 27. That's a good memory. 27 for $2,700. See, there's, <laughs> I knew there was a connection there. I really appreciate you being able to call in at the last minute. I didn't really get to uh, publicize you there, but we do have the replay tonight at 6 p.m., so I'll make sure I mention that we got uh, what the first uh, public official in the state of Georgia that endorsed Donald Trump on as our guest, and I really appreciate you calling, and I will see you probably tomorrow. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Michael Williams, State Senator. We also had Rachel Dodsworth on. Great show today. Sometimes when uh, I'm able to uh, put to guests together at the last second, it's this unrehearsed, live, really unscripted, amazing part of talk radio. And um, I think we made Greg's list great again today. We'll see you guys soon. Next week we'll be on at the same time and looking forward to hearing from you guys. You can always message me at gwilliams3154 at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at Greg's List Live. We'll see you soon on Greg's List. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.